Tuesday. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event of the evening for the Worldwide Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Championship. Wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, our first event of the evening is a one-ball match with a 15-minute time limit. There ain't nobody. There ain't nobody in wrestling who can make me quit. And that's the bottom line. Tuesday. We are what wrestling's all about. New York City here, Chicago here, Jamie on my left, Linda on my right. But I'm not telling any of the girls who I'm going to give it to in Chicago until that night. Tuesday, wrestling. Tuesday returns to Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Glad that you're with me here for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Jonathan Hood with you right here on the Under the Hood podcast and, of course, ESPN 1000 in Chicago. Well, we had a terrific event this past weekend, All Elite Wrestling Double or Nothing taking place in Las Vegas, Nevada. And I'm going to give you my thoughts on what I thought of the first card, the first official show for AEW. But first, we have a conversation with a WWE Hall of Famer, a person that is in the National Wrestling Alliance Hall of Fame. Also, uh, is someone that is now the new voice of All Elite Wrestling, good old JR Jim Ross joins us on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Let's go to that conversation. I'll give you my thoughts on the other side, but here's good old JR Jim Ross right here on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Jim, as always, I appreciate your time. I want to get your thoughts on the preparation for you mentally to get ready for Saturday's big broadcast, All Elite Wrestling, because we as broadcasters, it's one thing to be at the event, but you got a whole preparation and mental thing you got to go through. So what was your, your thoughts coming into the card? Well, there are a lot of talents uh, on the card that I was not overly familiar with. And uh, so between Alex Marvez and Excalibur, uh, they really uh, helped bring me up to speed, especially Alex. Alex uh, put his newsman, uh, you know, uh, reporter hat on and got some great data. And we compromised on some the show sheets I'm used to getting and uh, with notes. Now, it used to be me just writing them out, but... Uh, I figured if Alex did it, he could uh, would check it off. And everybody could use the same documents in that regard, and plus what they brought with them. So Alex is a big help, and uh, and the and Excalibur as well, because some of these talents that had not had mainstream exposure. And you know, to be perfectly honest with you, uh, my last year of working at WWE, I didn't have an overwhelming uh, itch uh, for the product from anybody. I wasn't well, I wasn't working, so it was just a matter of getting through the year mm-hmm. but uh but both those guys they're I'm really blessed to have two smart partners they like prep work they're very articulate educated guys and uh, they're gonna help me get better i think in that respect uh but they're younger and uh, i'd like to tap into their enthusiasm and hopefully we can help each other absolutely uh you mentioned in the broadcast some nerves in the back from some of the wrestlers before the show the whole staff could you give a take us back behind the scenes and how people were before the show well i think the easiest way to put it is everybody seemed to be very uh, caffeinated yeah <laughs> uh, they uh they seem to be uh or energy drink or whatever it may be it was just one of those days where you could feel the anticipation in the air you could feel that everybody had uh in their own mind had had uh, validated 
themselves being there. There's, I'm sure, some self-doubt in getting booked on this card for some of them because they just haven't had that level of experience. Uh, but they, it, everybody seemed to be eagerly anticipating the opportunity. And I, I like that. It was uh, refreshing. Uh, it's a different uh, chemistry in that locker room than I've been in maybe ever, but certainly for years and years. So that was kind of fun. But I just think the overall uh, anticipation, uh, big stage deal. And, you know, so my big job before the show is uh, I shot the breeze to everybody there and I encouraged them to have fun and, and uh, have a match that people are going to talk about for years to come. And it's up to them. So, uh, and they all, and I, I thought they rose to the occasion pretty good. We didn't have any stinkers, I don't think. So no. uh, it, was a, it was a hell of a solid show to everybody's credit. And you got a walkout. No security, though, but you got a walkout. <laughs> By yeah, God, you got a walkout, Jim Ross. Yeah, man. Uh, about that, I, I told, uh, that was Cody's idea. And uh, so, it was like, so I said, well, JR had it in his contract. <laughs> that's funny to even think about, to be honest with you. Uh, uh, so, uh, but nonetheless, that was his idea. And, you know, where we, uh, we pre-taped it. And where I was when it aired, I, I'm not sure I, how, how, I, how it, it sounded, but the crowd seemed to seemed to like it, and it was a nice little surprise. And that's what this show is about, largely. You know, there were, there were some, a lot of surprises. Small ones like me, that people knew I was going to be there. Uh, and then others like uh, John Moxley, who, you know, came out at the end of the show that I had no idea it was coming. So that was, that was a good one for, on me, I guess. But mm-hmm. I loved it that way. I saw somebody uh, that it was, I felt like, maybe SI, that I felt like it was uh, like, the feel was like a Foley getting tossed off the cell because I wasn't aware of that either. And then uh, when Moxley came out through the crowd, uh, that was news to me. Now, obviously, I knew that they'd been talking and he was probably going to join the team. I just wasn't sure where or when or how. And uh, the way they did it was uh, spot on in my view. Jim Ross with us on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app also on the Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday uh, podcast as we talk about the importance of Chris Jericho, Jim. I just think that just watching his interviews and listening to what he had to say, there's a guy that's always willing to reinvent, and I appreciate that over the years. He, I, what, do you, what do you think of the importance of Jericho to AEW as a company? Well, if I equate it to a, a baseball manager... I would say you got a player that is uh, can play every position. He can bat wherever you need him to in the lineup to be most productive. If you need to drive home runs, you need to lead off, uh, whatever. Uh, he, he has proven to be a proven commodity year after year. And you're right, uh, John, he's so good at reinventing. It takes a lot of courage uh, to reinvent, especially uh, in an entertainment world uh, and athletic world where you're used to doing something a certain way. And he was really, he's been really good at changing his uh, philosophies to some degree, tweaking, I guess is a better word, because mm-hmm. his philosophies haven't changed. That's the great thing about his game. His game is always going to be solid, logical, and physical. You know, he's, he's one of those guys that's, been, that's known to uh, not hurt people, but you know he's there. Uh, so I kind of like that. And, of course, he, they got to know, Kenny's nose got to know where he was very well in that match, and he broke his nose in the middle of it, and, and hey, hats off to Kenny Omega, man. He uh, showed, if anybody had any doubts, he was a finesse, only a finesse guy. I should have answered all your questions. He's a tough guy. He's a very tough guy. I admired him battling through because he knew the importance of his persona and his role in the closing moments of this massive show, and he pulled it off. He, 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 he played through it, and I have great respect for that. 
there's nothing like great storytelling in, in the business, Jim, as you know. And to be able to see Cody versus Dustin Rhodes, what it meant to see those two uh, going after one another, I just thought it was a great story. Then you get the match on top of it. I just thought that uh, it, it's hard to find a dry eye in the house, I'm sure, in Vegas, just to see these two be able to go at one another. Yeah, it certainly was. You know, Dustin's been very, very proud of that outing. You know, before the show, Jonathan, I, uh, of course, your friends can be really unique. They, they, you think they're, or they think they're looking out for you. So my friends that read the message boards, which yeah. I do not, by the way, right. wrestling message boards, I'm not against them. I'm not nothing. I'm nonplussed. I don't read them, so no issue to me. I'm not on a revolver or anything. I'm just not going to, I just don't care to. Uh, but nonetheless, apparently it was on the message boards that, uh, you know, AEW made a mistake, hired JR for, you know, this big contract, blah, blah, blah. He's too old. And so I, I battled through my, with myself through that, getting ready for the show. That, well, maybe some of these guys are right. You know, maybe I, I have lost it. I didn't work much last year. I was 67 years old. I never, never tried to hide that. But one of the things that my age did strike a chord with me on was the, my memories of Dusty. Uh, you know, he and I were friends for over 30 years, and we were good friends. And, you know, we had a lot in common of being Oklahoma, Texas guys and football fans and all that good stuff, knowing so many of the same people. And so, you know, Dusty came through, the, really learned a lot with Eddie Graham and, and then Bill Watts as a booker to making the American Dream, so he learned a lot there. So there was a lot of similarities in how we were both taught. Cowboy's my guy. Cowboy's his guy to a certain degree. He had others, too, mm -hmm. as did I. But nonetheless, that's where my age really uh, tapped me on the shoulder because all of Dusty's memories are so vivid. And then I'm thinking, you know, during the match, you know, I got lost in the match. But uh, afterwards, I was thinking, man, the dream's going to be He's got to be smiling about this, man, because they told an amazing story that was logical, that was smart, uh, strategically and creatively uh, on, spot on. I don't know how they could have had it. It's the best, it's the best pay per view match I've called in a long, long time. And I had to stop and think when the last one was. It was kind of on that level. And I can't think of it off the top of my head. So it's a very special match because of the, 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 their, their father. You know, somebody told me that they didn't realize they were half-brothers. You know, they never lived together. Mm -hmm. And they, they, Cody's 33, Dusty's, uh, Dustin's 50. So uh, when, when uh, you know, Dustin was almost out of high school when Cody was born. And so they, they were never that close. And that's all true. But they, they, now, they've made a great leaps to get that rectified, and they, I think they have. And, of course, you saw Saturday night, that hug at the, end of the end of the show was not. They didn't rehearse that. They didn't have a writer for it. It was real. And I loved it. Yeah, it was great. I, I really enjoyed that. That's probably my favorite match in the car, Jim. I really enjoyed that a lot. Uh, by the way, I've never seen a car with so many brothers on it because we got the Young Bucks, we got the Lucha yeah. Brothers, we got the Rhodes Brothers. But, I, um, you know, we talk about reinvention. I talked to you about this before. You know, I, I saw Young Bucks when you were calling New Japan Pro Wrestling. That's when I got a chance to see a lot of them. And I just thought, man, everything is just perpetual motion. Can you tell a story? Can you just slow down just a hair, a little bit? And I'm seeing this the Young Bucks match I saw against the uh, the Lucha Brothers showed me a second and third gear from the Young Bucks. It wasn't completely 100% flying. It was guys being able to tell a little bit of a story and slow down a little bit. I think that's some maturation from the Young Bucks. Do you see the same? Absolutely. Uh, you know, when they were very entertaining, very Rock and Roll Express-like, Hardy Brothers-like in their younger days, when I first saw them, and I thought, boy, these guys have got some great traits and, and 
and instincts. I think that's far more impressed their instincts, which speaks to their wrestling acumen. So, uh, but I, I can tell you that through the three years or so that I did New Japan Wrestling on Access TV, that I could see them get better and better every time they, they come around. They, they, they started, you know, they were doing great. Uh, I think when Matt, for a long time, there was had this uh, selling his back injury thing, and that they helped to tell so many great stories. When I saw them in, in uh, I think it was the uh, Cow Palace, uh, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And we were chatting, and I said, man, you said you guys have slowed down just a little bit. It allows the announcers to catch up with what you're doing and, and draw the audience in even even farther. Uh, and and, and Billy, you put the great uh, lyric to your music, so to speak. And they uh, uh, they appreciate the feedback. They knew I've been paying attention, but they they can do. They they had a great match with the Lucha Brothers on uh, Saturday. I had never called a Lucha Brothers match. I'd watched some, some tape. Uh, but you know, it was everything I thought it was going to be. It gave me hope, Jonathan, that tag team wrestling can can really be good again. That, there, that there's plenty of great tag team wrestlers or potential tag teams, and we know that there are fan base that enjoys tag team wrestling. They just haven't seen an overabundance of it on the top level of major cards in a long, long time. So maybe the the, the Bucks leading the way. Because, look, as they get better, you got one is 33 and one is 29. I think that's about right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's, it's inevitable. They're going to continue to get better. Because the, 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 what they get better at is the psychological part of, the, of their work. Because if you just get better with, with experience until you stop you stop wanting to learn. And they don't strike these two guys who want to stop wanting to learn. They seemingly always are looking to get better. And before it's all said and done, at the end of the day, uh, they'll be spoken of were the greatest tag teams in the history of the business. I really believe that they just got to stay healthy. And uh, but boy, they're 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 really special. I'm telling you, they're really special. I I haven't seen teams like with that much chemistry. Like I said, since the Midnight Express uh, and Rock and Roll Express type thing, uh, Tully and Arn. There's a few teams that had that natural chemistry, and them being real brothers, not wrestling brothers, uh, they they got natural chemistry. Jim, um, yeah, John Moxley coming out uh, toward the end of the, the show was just tremendous. I, I think that one of the things that resonated with me watching the broadcast is even before he came to the scene in Vegas that he had a video out on his Twitter. And, and I think that videos traditionally at its core uh, and wrestling are synonymous to have videos or video packages to try to explain what the what the character is. John, it seems like he really is reborn. He seems like a completely different guy. And I just think that him being out there, you can just tell that he's into it. He's looking forward to being in New Japan and being AEW. You can see the fans are just rooting for him because he feels free. John Moxley is uh, celebrating his new lease on his professional life mm-hmm. with all the information and, and skills that he's developed over his career as an indie wrestler going through the performance center i remember uh dusty Rhodes and i ironically calling a match uh i guess it's probably the old facility i'm sure it was there on dale mabry in tampa where uh it was, so it's a florida championship wrestling show before they changed it and uh we both were i think as a matter of fact i remember now it's very vivid he worked with, with uh, uh william regal right and they had a hell of a match. Somebody go find it and look at it. It's a really cool cool uh, mess to watch. But it shows you how much potential he has 
because he was in there with a, one of the greats, in my view. I, always, I love Regal's work, and it's in and out of the ring. Uh, he's a big gift to WWE. I'm, I'm sure they realize that. Uh, because a lot of those talents in the performance center are there because of Regal uh, and his sharp eye of scouting. But I, Dusty and I call that match. We said, man, this kid's got something special. And both of us, they're thinking the same damn things. Ironic. He reminded both of us, for whatever reason, of Terry Funk. Mm-hmm. And anytime you can naturally be compared to Terry Funk, not you're playing the Terry Funk character, or you're doing a Terry Funk impersonation like I do in my podcast from time to time. <laughs> right. uh, I'm talking about being in the ring. He's natural. He's, he's, uh, he was loose. Uh, he, he, when, he, when he got serious, he was really serious. He had great facials, great body English, and he seemed to be fearless. Uh, so there's a little to me, uh, I, I told uh, somebody the other day, I said, he reminds me a little bit of Dr. Brian Pillman. He reminds me a little bit of, uh, of uh, Terry. And there was somebody else I was thinking of, but at, just at various times. So everybody that he's reminding me of, his own natural actions, are stars. So I believe he's going to be a huge star. That's a great get for AEW. And now you look at, the, look at how that nucleus is starting to come together. I've always preached about the nucleus of your locker room. And you build your core. And we built a great core in an attitude era that is still serving us the WWE to this very day. Uh, and now the chances for the uh, AEW to build the same type of core, young, talented, athletic, and they damn sure want to be good. Not just good, they want to be great. So I'm, I'm, in, I'm in a good spot, Jonathan. I'm the oldest guy on the team, I guess, at 67, which doesn't bother me a bit. You know, I don't need a, I don't need a, Unlimited amount of ability, he can be a real star in that role. 
and Alex is a unique uh, broadcaster that is, you know, I wanted him in that, uh, when we talked about this, everybody had a role, and we still do, uh, but where Alex is going to be kind of like my, uh, uh, on the team, uh, Jay Glazer, mm-hmm. the insider kind of guy, you know, Alex all those years still doing the NFL on, on Sirius. And then uh, Excalibur being the retired ex-wrestler would be the wrestling guy, the color guy. Mm-hmm. Then OJR would try to hang in there and do some play-by-play. So, but it's challenging. I don't know how many three-man booths you worked in in your lifetime. I, uh, but in some areas, it's not bad if you're doing it like a talk show. If you're doing play-by-play and it's live and there's no, you're not taping it, you're, you're going, it can be awkward. I'm just telling you, it can be awkward. So we have a lot of work to do to make sure our broadcast doesn't get too busy and doesn't sound awkward. And like I told those guys, I said, you know, none of us get paid by the word, and if you are, let me know. I already do my deal. Right, right, right. Jim Ross, the voice of AEW Wrestling. And with me, Jonathan Hood, on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday on ESPN 1000 Chicago and the Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday podcast. So I, I've been seeing this. I'm sure you've seen this as well. WWE superstars openly rooting for AEW on Twitter uh, before and after the event. And, of course, on Monday Night Raw, we saw Sami Zayn mention AEW. How does that uh, go over with the chairman um, and, and Triple H when that happens? Well, you know, I my, my guess is, Jonathan, not well. I got a feeling that Sami Zayn went to business for himself. And uh, as a result, uh, it wasn't valuable content because they edited it out of the uh, YouTube show. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm... Uh, I'm thinking it was not looked upon with fond eyes. Uh, I don't plan on ever missing WWE on our show. Right. I got I got no axe to bear. I'm not mad at anybody there. I had 26 great years there. Investment man made me uh, very financially stable, and I owe him for that. I always will. So I'm not planning on going to any, I don't know why I would waste my time talking about their product when I have talents of our own to help get over. And I'm going to waste that time on something else other than our guys. This doesn't make any common sense. And that's not, I'm not there for that. So he said, now what Alex and Excalibur do, I ain't got no clue. I'm not their producer. But I'm not going there. This doesn't seem like it's good for us. But I, I, I know, look, there are a lot of talents. It's a small world that these wrestlers live in. It's a small community. And a lot of them even live near each other, to be literal about community. And so... Just because all their wrestling fans, uh, wrestling friends, have are not all in WWE with them. They were they're some probably in Ring of Honor, MLW, maybe uh, uh, certainly uh, you know Impact, and and but now you know New Japan and us now. So I think it's just a lot of just friendly stuff, and they're happy about their friends having work and good work and making a lot of money. And, and having a spot to become make even more money, become a bigger star on national television. You know, that uh, TNT clearance that uh, Tony secured for our company, is a that's a big get, man. That's a, that's a big deal. That's not, you know, you don't have to go find TNT. It's pretty, it's very well, it's a very well-traveled network and with all their sports, including the NBA and baseball and so forth. Uh, they're, they're, they're rebranding their, their network. And, and we're a big part of that rebrand, as it seems to me. I'm going to official rebrand, but, you know, they're doing a lot more sports than they've ever done, my point. Right. So I, I'm uh, – and they have a chance now, these 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 wrestlers, to 
get on there and uh, and let their the product be seen by a huge audience and become bigger stars, market more products, sell more tickets, establish more tenure. It's, it's more security for their family that they get to see more often. So there's no doubt that there's going to be a lot of movement coming up in the next few years. There's just, it's, an, it's inevitable. And it's not to say that somebody from AEW might jump to WWE. You never know. It's all about the money. When people say it's not about the money, count, hey, count on it. It's all about the money. The I, two big C's in wrestling, Jonathan, will never change. Anybody listening to my podcast that drops every Thursday morning at 6 o'clock will know. Cash and creative are the kings. If the issues in wrestling are normally about one of the two C's, cash or creative. You got this two uh, addressed and you feel good about both of them, you're way down the road on a good agreement. I just thought, I just know, as you know, that Pepsi doesn't talk about Coke or Sonic doesn't talk about Wendy's. So I just thought that that was, I just thought that was very odd over the weekend. I, I, I appreciate the WWE um, competitors, you know, giving a shout out to AEW and thing and watching the show and talking about it on Twitter. I just, I just know that was very un WWE like. And yeah. also Triple H mentioning it in the, um, in the Hall of Fame speech. I thought that was also very odd to, to to mention it, so that's I I can I can I can see that there's some heat that your this this new company is putting on WWE because of that. So I, that's yeah. that was odd. I, I I agree. I would not if somebody if I had been there, somebody would have asked, as I say somewhat facetiously, uh, I would have <laughs> said I wouldn't do it for me. But uh, you know, hey, I, I we live in a very defiant society, and I think sometimes everybody's trying to guess on what's going to get them hot or what's going to get people talking. And to be honest with you, you know, uh, AEW had a perfect weekend last weekend. Yes. They, 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 they started off, we started off everything great. The matches are solid. The production was solid. Are there things that we could improve? Of course. Of course. And, and the things that we should improve, just go on Twitter. You'll find a lot of experts that pull them out every 30 seconds or so. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, you know, it's just silly. Uh, and and it kind of gets humorous sometimes if you don't look at it. And, and want to be pissed off. I look at some of them, just, I laugh about it. I don't think it's kind of funny. I, I, I'm, in, I'm imagining somebody telling me that, that it's a, I passed my prime and they're, you're, they're giving me uh, announcing uh, uh, feedback notes and then you look on their on their, on their little identification thing and you believe their bio, what the hell is it called, and they, uh, they're probably a teenager. Right. right. And there's nothing wrong with teenagers, don't get me wrong, uh, but the issue is Maybe you haven't had enough life experiences in that particular area of expertise to be giving out this doles doling out this uh, extensive uh, feedback. I'll just say it. Maybe not. <laughs> I want to ask you about the, the podcast. And for those that don't know, that people have listened to me for a long time know about uh, Jim Ross's podcast, but it's it's identified now as Grillin' Jr. Uh, and you're working with Conrad Thompson, and it, it's a lot of fun. It's a it's a it was a good listen before, and now. Uh, I think Connie's enhancing what you're doing now. Um, so, what, what's the dynamic between you and Conrad? Because it's a once again a terrific podcast. Well, we're just two old chubby Southern boys that like fried food and, and wrestling fans all our life, and uh, we having to both of us back into the business, so to speak. You know, Conrad did through podcasts, and then he's he's a Ric Flair's son-in-law now, and so he kind of I'm sure that wasn't all planned. Uh, me, same deal. You know, I kind of backed into it being a, a leader with McGurk's a gopher mm-hmm. in 74. So uh, uh, it just happens. We're lucky it happens. So, uh, but we, we, we picked Conrad and his team. He's got a big team now. Uh, last week's show was the Owen Hart tribute. Still up there now on uh, 
wherever you get your podcast. It's probably our, it's been our most downloaded show by far. We've had some really good numbers uh, since we uh, re- debuted the new format right after WrestleMania. Uh, but the uh, that show had a script of about eighty pages, somewhere thereabouts. So it's like reading. I've, I've gotten movie scripts seriously. Uh, some little some little films I've done. I just done one not too long ago. That was was not that extensive. Mm-hmm. And they they go back and they get all these quotes. Uh, post facts on this guy, that guy, this DVD, this article, this interview, and they 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 really skim it down to everything is focused on the show. Like we're we're gonna and tomorrow I'm gonna record with Conrad who's having a vacation in Mexico. Uh, that'll be a cyber sore eyes. Uh, <laughs> and we're gonna record a show called uh, about capital combat. Yes. And uh, it'll be it'll be fun. It'll be so much more lighthearted yet inter- informative than the seriousness of. You know, Jr. and Jerry Lawler sitting and never leaving their post at ringside when Owen Hart fell to his death, and uh, it was a tough. You know, where everybody was in the back doing their grieving and crying and, and some bellowing and, and uh, uh, having to sit down and having to go get sick and all this other stuff. It's it's horrible back there. Shock from a disaster would have been something I would compare it to. The shock of, of being in a disaster area. And still being, uh, still being alive when one of your most beloved peers is dead was hard to hard to handle. And we never got to go do that. We didn't get to do that scream or that, you know, go in the bathroom and get, you know, whatever. We 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 just we had to sit there because everything was changing by the minute after he fell. So it was a hell of a show, and, and that's kind of what we're doing. We're going to pick out a topic every week that I was involved in, uh, and go back and. Because my role, as you well know, been the great fan that you are, you know, I've had an administrative role as the EVP of the, of the company in charge of the talent relations department. Uh, you know, I was on the executive committee and I was a, the voice of Raw, pay-per-views, all the good stuff. So I was very, very busy wearing multiple hats. So that gives me a different perspective than some of my peers who have told the same stories. Yeah, I, I uh, as you well know, Jim, for our conversations over the years, it's never, I never look at you as a wrestling guy. I always consider you a broadcasting colleague and when wrestling fans talk about the hell in the cell and Mick Foley and some of the, the your, your great calls actually and I'm not asking you to relitigate it because I heard the podcast I know it's tough but you being able to talk through that and to be able to again ad-lib a very difficult situation hell that's that's tougher than Al Michaels with the earthquake at the World Series that's that I mean that when you to be able to talk through that to try to explain to the audience what's going on when all this is happening, uh, that's that's one of your best calls because that I don't I don't know if everybody can do that clearly. Well, it's a blessing. I had you know I got a little divine intervention. I'm sure on that night to figure out something to say because when I announced that Owen had died to the world on that show, little uh, two camera one camera two shot king I set the table. Uh, I had about ten seconds to. Comp- Compose myself, process that information, and determine what to say in this what will be a crucial time that will live forever. And so I didn't think. No, I didn't think of that studiously as I just recited to you. Right. But that's kind of what it was. I had ten seconds, and so uh, you know the great thing about that is I figured that my natural instincts uh, and the the blessings I got from the good Lord will get me through this thing because it didn't have to be long. Uh, I didn't have a lot of information other than the the, bad, the worst news of all, but also knew 
equally as important that when I got to when it came to get the ball to Jerry the tag, that he would he'd have something. He always did have something, and he did here too. You know, it was just one of those sad deals. But it was a hard story to tell. When I wrote my book Slobberknocker, my life in wrestling, Jonathan, I I went back for the very first time and looked at any of that footage from that night because I had never watched that show before. Then when uh, Conrad sprung this on me, we're going to do the show, which I deeply dreaded and almost tried to talk him out of it, but I felt like it was a story that my version would be a good listen for a real fan that wants to know how, how things went and and how it affected all the talents as I, through my eyes, how it affected me. So, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I am I was really uh, lucky that night to be able to come up with something. But I, I was not excited about watching the show again. And, I'm gonna, I don't, and I'll never watch it again. I'm done with it. I'm done. Yeah. I'm done with it. I, I understand. Um, are those AEW jackets on sale now? Can we, can we get those? I want to wear one of those. I think they're right there in your town. Oh, Pro wrestling teams, I think. <laughs> I want, I want one of those blazers. That that damn thing looks official, Jr. I want, I want one of those. Oh, I don't know if they have those or not, but uh, they, they they probably have. The, they might have the or access to the the crest. That was a funny story. They couldn't decide what we're going to do in jackets. So uh, Cody finally intervened and said, "Okay, Jr. You know what you're going to get." I said, "Yeah, I'm getting a two but two button black blazer." I went to Dillard's. I got a hard shaft from Mark's blazer. Took it to, took it to Vegas. They sewed the, the crest on and. There we go. So that's our, that's that's our official attire for most of our shows. I don't know if it'll be for the smaller shows, but certainly for the the major ones, that's going to be the look. I think. I love that. That's official. That's a CBS type feel right there with that thing. I enjoy I that. So yeah. yeah, I feel like Jim Nance fucking a jeweler. Amen. <laughs> oh man! Hello, friends. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, what's, what's so? What's next on the docket, Jr. Where, where, where are you going to go next? Well, I am uh, awaiting assignment, as they say in the news world. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Meaning that uh, I'm not sure what we're going to do presentation wise in uh, Daytona or Jacksonville. Those two shows that are coming up, uh, and I, I'm, I'm hopefully that I'll be there. I'd like for our whole team to be there because mm-hmm. I, I, I can't believe they wouldn't uh, carry that on a on a uh, streaming service of some sort. They got seeing a lot of those options, uh, so I'm hoping that we do streaming shows of that. So I'm going to keep my fingers crossed. I'm going there. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be. Uh, I got an interesting little thing. I, these are fun deals for me to do. Uh, I'm going on uh, next Thursday. I'm going to go to uh, do a little uh, little appearance right outside of Cincinnati in Kentucky mm-hmm. uh, for a minor league baseball team. And I'm sitting here outside cooking my wings, as we, I told you about. Mm-hmm. I don't have I don't have my own information here, but I'll tweet it out later today at JRSBVQ. But uh, it, I'm going to do a little baseball thing. Jim Cornette, Billy Gunn, uh, I think I think Marty Gennetti, myself, uh, in, at this uh, event. So, and, it's gonna, and I, I apologize. It's like, I told you he was old. I told you I lost it. <laughs> hey, I'm out here without a shirt on, which is a sight for sore eyes as well, in my OU gym shorts, uh, uh, trying to make sure my wings don't burn. So I'm good. I'm good, though. <laughs> okay. I don't, have, I don't have my notebook in front of me. I understand. Well, what did Arn Anderson tell you about your about your fat? It's better brown, right? Oh, hell yeah. You know, that's everybody is, everybody, all those fat Caucasian guys can tell you that. Man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, we're, 
uh, the, the, he said that my fat looks better brown than white. Right, exactly, exactly. So, so. It's, uh, well, I kind of, I kind of, uh, I kind of uh, espoused to that, uh, agreed to that principle. <laughs> now, so uh, how, have you, uh, how's your, your shows are still doing great, I understand. Absolutely, absolutely. You're having, a firecracker there in Chicago. Absolutely, having fun doing uh, doing this, and because AEW, we're doing a lot more with uh, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. So we're going to make sure that we're ready and ready to go when AEW is ready to go uh, in the fall. So we're definitely doing full steam ahead on uh, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Well, you got uh, that big show coming back on August thirty first, which is a blessing. How things worked out there, man. You talk about a lucky deal. They said, well, Jerry, the, the first, the next big show is going to be in Chicago on Saturday, August 31st. And I'm thinking, oh, God, that's the opening day of football season. Yeah. And I got, you know, I got a suite uh, at the stadium, and I'm going to watch how you play, but I guess I'm going to miss the home opener for the first time in forever. And then, lo and behold, ABC, I think it is, selected the OU uh, game with Houston and moved it to Sunday. So they're going to play Sunday night in prime time on network TV. Mm-hmm. And I'll be able to get back from Chicago on that nice little Sunday morning flight and uh, and enjoy the festivities. Oh, perfect. That's perfect. Yeah, life is good, man. Life <laughs> is very good. Well, I appreciate you as always to come on, Jim, and uh, looking forward to seeing more for AEW moving forward. Me too, Jonathan. Anything I can do for you, I appreciate you. You're sure one of the best I talk to. Thank you. Thank you so much. You bet, buddy. Great to talk to good old JR Jim Ross, the voice of AEW Wrestling right here on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Hey, I want to let you guys know before I start going into this card that you can follow Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday on Twitter at WrestlingTWT. WrestlingTWT, that's where you can find us on Twitter. Also, it has a Facebook page, Facebook.com. Look for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, as well as the podcast. You know, many will be looking for wrestling content on the Under the Hood podcast, not anymore. It's all right here, one feed, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. We wanted to separate it from the other show that I do under the hood with Jonathan Hood because we have so much content there, but wrestling deserves its own podcast. That's why on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, Podcast, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, on Deezer. You can find Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Thanks so much for downloading the podcast. Well, I watched uh, over my holiday here, my, my time off, I was able to watch uh, this great card of All Elite Wrestling, Double or Nothing, from the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. And I will tell you that I thought that they hit a home run, AEW. They hit a home run. There's no question. Um, I look at uh, Chris Jericho against Kenny Omega, told a great story. Uh, I think that Chris Jericho is someone, as I told Jim, is a, does a great job of reinventing himself. You know, And we've seen him in five or six or seven different personas. And you see him out there now, and he is uh, as good as he ever was. It's a different type of Chris Jericho, but I just think Kenny Omega working through that broken nose and Jericho winning that matchup, uh, it was was terrific. I thought that the Young Bucks and the Lucha Brothers told a great story. I thought that Cody and Dustin was my favorite matchup because those two are brothers. And Dustin bled, man. I haven't seen blood like that since, what, Eddie Guerrero against JBL or John Cena against JBL? I can't remember blood quite like that. I mean, a crimson mask for sure. Dustin was 
in really bad shape. <laughs> he was in bad shape, but I just thought that that the two Rhodes brothers that's probably my favorite match on the card, and uh, and also to see Awesome Kong back in the mix. She has been away from the business for so long, out of the spotlight of the business for so long. Good to see Awesome Kong back. Um, and I thought that that matchup was pretty good as well. So I thought that AEW hit a home run. And just the idea that John Moxley returns is great. You knew he was coming. You just didn't know when or what position he would be in on the card. But he came. And it was great to see. Now he's going to be working with New Japan Pro Wrestling, working with AEW, and it's great. I want to address a couple of things here. And um, for time's sake, I will do a wrestling mailbox segment uh coming up a little bit because i see some of you on facebook facebook.com jonathan hood asking me questions about AEW. let me just say AEW is not trying to take over the wwe i don't think that that is the case at all this is not the eric bischoff era of wcw and when eric bischoff was the head of wcw saying that they're going to put the ww out of business well i mean for 83 weeks they were getting it done and they were able to give people an alternative. And I think that's what AEW is doing as well. Just trying to give wrestling fans an alternative. Um, I, you know, and I, I just, this social media stuff here from Twitter and Instagram saying, well, you know, WWE is great and they'll never be as great as WWE. I don't think that's, I don't think that's what they're trying to do. They're just trying to carve their own niche and give wrestling fans something different to watch. Um, I'm an adult, so I look at this and I see it as all entertainment. Um, no one is co- running after Court Bauer and MLW saying, well, you'll never be WWE. They're not, not doing that with Dave Lagana um, and what they're doing in the NWA. They're not doing that with Don Callis and that group in the Impact. No one's no one's going after them, but Cody Rhodes comes out there and he's get the sledgehammer and he's he's trying to smash up the throne. I guess that was Triple H's throne. Yeah, they they want to be able to send a message like, you know what? You're just not going to just talk about us and call us a piss-at corporation or a piss-at ant promotion, as he said at the Hall of Fame speech. I mean, I, I mean, the WWE should never feel threatened. They should never feel threatened because they are the tops. They are four-generation company. Fourth generation company. So whatever they do, you know, for the most part, the majority of the wrestling fans are going to be watching that product. But there's nothing wrong with AEW or someone else trying to be able to carve their own niche in the genre to show something different. The WWE, for the most part, is um, it has become watered down, it has become formulaic. Um, you see very, very rarely see something different or new from that company. And so when you do get it, you get it toward WrestleMania, you get it toward some of the big cards. Um, and it's not the wrestler's fault. It's just the, the lack of imagination and the lack of w- the willingness to change. You're doing the same thing over and over again. you know. And so it doesn't mean that the WWE is bad, but they have to, they got some fine-tuning to do. Just like all wrestling has some fine-tuning to do. So I, I, uh, I, I just find this fascinating, people trying to say, well, you either on the AEW side or the WWE side or the side of New Japan. It, it's all wrestling. It's all the same. Um, but some do it better than others. And AEW is trying to do it completely different than the way the WWE does it. And and also, by the way, I do not buy into the Vince Russo uh, type of uh, thought process that this is all a work, that, that AEW is part of the WWE. If it is, I'll eat my hat.
but I don't think that that is the case at this point in time on um, May of 2019. All right, um, I will have a mailbox segment and answer some of your questions. You can tweet me, by the way, at WrestlingTWT. You know, Jim Ross is a big fan of Wrestling TWT, uh, and uh, we are going to come back on the air on May, let's see, June 2nd. I'll come back from my vacation as I will make that journey from here in, in Albuquerque all the way back to Chicago. June 2nd, I will be uh, on the air with Jeff Dickerson doing Dickerson Hood, and then we'll be rocking and rolling, man. We got a lot to talk about on my Under the Hood podcast uh, and my radio show on ESPN 1000 Chicago. For those of you that don't know, yes. I'm on ESPN 1000 Chicago weeknights from 7 to 10 Central Time. If you never catch a show live, check out the podcast, Under the Hood Podcast. Um, Download it, subscribe to it. That way you never miss our content that we have uh, on our radio show. All right? So it's good to hear from Jim Ross. It's good to be able to talk wrestling and, and talk to him about it. And we'll have more episodes of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday moving forward. Stay by your listening device. Subscribe to the podcast. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you download your podcast, that's where you can find Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. And, of course, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. All right, I'm Jonathan Hood. Thanks so much for listening. I will talk to you soon. Spread the word. We got a wrestling podcast that's been going on for a while. We've got twitter we've got facebook we got fun thanks for listening to tuesday wrestling tuesday right here with me jonathan hood